You are warmly welcome to listen to WDBE Talks, the podcast for world of digital built environment. Let's start the journey to a sustainable urban future together by unlocking urban supersensing. Hello and welcome to WDBE Talks. My name is Jack Geary and my guest today is Laurie Rowlandson, BGIS's Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation. The topic of discussion is this year's theme of urban supersensing and the impact COVID has made on our workplace and the change disruption has brought to daily practice. Laurie, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your current role and your career to date, please? Sure. Uh, Well, my current role is Senior Vice President of Strategy Innovation at a company called BGIS. We're a small global boutique facilities management company of uh, just under 9,000 employees globally. We operate primarily in Canada, the US, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. And uh, our core business is facilities management. And I guess my, my current role is the in-house uh, mad scientist. I'm the sponsor of innovation and uh, help cultivate uh, value for our clients through the program of innovation. And, and my career path has not been a straight line. Um, a lot of the times it's, uh, I've had to reinvent myself through education or just take an opportunity uh, you know, based on what presents itself in the moment. So I, I've crossed over. I started, I wanted to be a teacher when I started out gra- graduating from university. And that didn't last very, very long. I lasted one day, the kids won. Uh, and uh, I, I did start out as a sourcing specialist. So I started, my first job was at IBM. I worked on large outsourcing arrangements. And then I ended up specializing in real estate and I bloomed into other areas like sustainability, workplace technologies and strategy, employee experience, et cetera. And I've also worked for a large um, bank and uh, I was a consultant before I joined BGIS. So not a straight line in my career path, let's just say. The theme for this year's WDBE 2021 event is urban super sensing. Does sensor technology or digital innovation play a role in your daily practice? Absolutely. Uh, Technology is driving efficiencies, greater experience, greater convenience, uh, better data-driven decisions. It's helping us get over um, subjectivity with objectivity and or those emotional or highly charged discussions with facts. And it's really helping us reinvent our profession. So it's certainly become integral to our profession going forward. I think that... um, Technology is rapidly developing in a way that it's hacking the occupants, if you know what I mean, uh, and and starting to empower activities to flex and evolve based on the changing needs of occupants. And we're going to see technology adding more sophistication to those bigger ecosystems outside of the building, as well as within the building. You mentioned there the technologies helping with decision making and hacking occupants. Is the interplay between human and machine dominating the conversation or do you think there's something that we're leaving out of the discussion? Yeah, I think that there's a perception that it's an all or nothing. Like this is not the first time in our human history where technology has slingshotted into major improvements. And I I've done a lot to study the history of innovation as well as going forward and the kind of discussion that we're having around artificial intelligence and resisting some of those concepts are the same things 
that we as humans discussed when they invented the car and they were worried that it was going to put blacksmiths out of business. And, you know, of course, we had a very sort of factory culture 100 years ago. It's really not been very long that we've been working in a more modern society enabled by technology. But progression and human progress has definitely disrupted and transformed how we've worked. It's not the first time in our generation. And I think we're just faced with that. It's uh, the one thing I do think is creating stress. It's happening in shorter timeframes as time progresses. And so that does create a bit of a shock to the system. But I also think it's an incredible opportunity for people to reskill and use technology to take ourselves to different heights. Um, get more sophisticated in the kinds of things that we're using human capital for and leverage those things that are uniquely human that any machine could never recreate. So I think we're just going through growing pains. Could you maybe give an example of that? Yeah, there's. I would say that there is sort of a blanket resistance to artificial intelligence and robotics and the threat that that will be to take jobs away from people. And I look at that as how could that enable humans to be better? So I, I don't quite take it the same way. And I think there are some, I, I also don't want to be too glib. There are some instances where we are going to have to, you know, retrain people and find other purposes for them. But I, I think that that should be our focus versus resisting progress. Because, um, you know, if you look at what's happening in the world, for those geographies that are resisting or getting too mired down in red tape or, overthinking certain aspects, you're seeing other countries just slingshotting forward with progress. And, you know, maybe like China, I'll, I'll just say China, for example, they've really adopted and are, are implementing things. I think there's not, not without some controversy, but we also have to be very mindful that we, we have to adopt progress and we can't be left behind. I, I, I do feel that that's a very important focus. And I think the other dimension that is a little trickier in North America, anyway, I'll speak to North America, is around the concept of privacy and what is private information. And I think there's a lot of myths around that. I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things that we give up in exchange for some sort of benefit. So for example, I might say to somebody, is your thumbprint private or is your current location private? And some people might say, yes, that's privacy. That's my private information. Yet you give that up to Google and you're photographed 50 different times driving to work. Like there's a lot of information and you leave a digital footprint as it is. And I think we have to just realize that technology is um, altruistic, used for good. People are given choices. But uh, it definitely has more positives. I think we have to tread forward carefully. But um, I think sometimes we throw up the myth of, of privacy, but we actually have foregone a lot of that already by our use of cloud computing um, and our digital footprint that already exists. Could you see any other technologies or developments that would be making a positive impact on the sector over the next couple of years? I think there's a couple. I'm working on a paper right now around the 21 technologies that are going to change the way that we work forever. And depending on the industry that you're in, I would say these ones are a little bit out there, but I think they're going to have the most material impact is um, the first one is around the metaverse. And that is uh, the, the augmented and virtual reality. And I think that's going to be bigger than the internet. And you're already starting to see some very interesting developments about living in the metaverse, 
Um, and I think just living in and um, the amount of efficiency and the incredible experience and how exhilarating it is. I, I really think that from a retail perspective for how we meet, how we engage, communicate, like real-time translations, I think the metaverse is gonna be a massive topic. I think the other topic around technology that is going to be transformative is around additive manufacturing or 3D printing. And, I, and as somebody who's so passionate about sustainability, I think tying that into the circular economy as well, with COVID, a lot of the supply chain woes that we had really slingshotted forward a, a lot of consideration around supply chain. Uh, even, even the problem that we had in Panama a couple of months ago with a ship that was stuck and supplies couldn't get through, I think we're going to see a lot of focus on additive manufacturing, just-in-time manufacturing as a way of driving efficiency, removing waste, and um, alleviating some of the more traditional supply chain factors. And that might not sound like it pervades directly into technology or real estate or facilities management, but you have to look at not only how it affects your industry, but how it affects your clients' industries to really understand the true impact on your business. Are there any sectors that you have seen that would be particularly vulnerable or affected? I, th I think it's a big challenge uh, for a number of industries, and some are going to get uh, proverbial whiplash more than others. There are still some really big industries, like real estate, if I had to be honest, they're very much anchored in very traditional approaches. The whole brokerage world and that competency, uh, it's just going to be turned on its head between the financial industry and using space as a utility and the work from everywhere. I think that a lot of the traditional real estate companies are are going to struggle with the transition. I think that they'll get there, but it is a big amount of change. And like I said earlier, it's not so much the change that is the challenge for, because humans have gone through so many different evolutions and iterations. I think it's the timing. So if you look at Moore's law and the amount of time for change and the impact, if you can imagine back from your MBA days, those uh, charts of change and time, the amount of impact is getting higher within a shorter period of time. And we're about to have more change. By 2030 in this decade, this 10 year period, we'll have more change in this 10 years than we have in the last 50. And when you think that the iPad is only 11 years old and some of the, the companies, the big you know, unicorn companies are really less than 15 years old, it's pretty shocking to think about what will happen before the end of this decade. So a lot of the things that I talk about sound like they're science fiction and really out there. They're not far away. And COVID, I really do feel has accelerated the adoption of some of those disruptive technologies, even slightly ahead of their time, as well as other concepts that are affecting real estate, like wellness and well-being and health and safety considerations are have really been amplified by COVID. Could you speak to the impact that you saw of COVID and the acceleration that accompanied it? COVID, I mean, uh, what a terrible lesson to learn and, and the way to learn it. But I really do think that in some ways, it really slingshotted forward the progress of certain technologies. 
in, in my book that I wrote about the impact of COVID, I talked about uh, additive manufacturing and 3D printing and be able to resolve some supply chain woes. That comes out of human desperation. And one thing I love about human beings when they're faced with adversity, their persistence is amazing. And we solve what seems like insurmountable things. And we rally together against a common foe and purpose. And I think that creates uh, a lot of sharing and more information. But I think more importantly, if you look at the programming of the workplace and how we use real estate, there's a number of cascading benefits. And one of them is living in the experiment of COVID. We realize that work is what you do, not where you are. And many people worked from all, mostly from their home, but not in the office. So for those organizations that were reluctant to adopt mobility programs or take advantage of a dispersed organization of labor that exists anywhere in the world or the country, doesn't have to be located in the greater San Francisco area or wherever your head office is, um, it's been a real education to companies about what their potential could be in access to talent and driving cost efficiency in the way that they're operating their real estate operations. And for those doubters, they were given a glaring example of what the art of the possible is. And uh, I think many of them are using this lesson of COVID and the way that we worked to really transform and, and change the way that they work going forward. I do think death of the office is quite a melodramatic statement. I don't think that will ever happen. But I do see um, a reduction in office space and uh, embracing a much more dispersed concept of workplace. And workplace is no longer head office. It's work is what you do, not where, not where you are in an office. A lot of people see the discussion around the issue center on the creation of value. Is that something you think sensor technology or digital innovation could help with um, when it comes to working environments? Yeah, and, and typically what we do is we identify value in five categories. Uh, the first one is customer experience, capital C customer. So it tends to be a little bit more on the retail side. So people that walk through the door, your customers, people buying your services or products. The second is around employee experience. So that's your talent. The third is around sustainability. The fourth is around health and safety and quality. And the fifth is around um, cost efficiency and, and savings. So loosely, we use those as the value categories. Obviously, each client or each, each company would value each of those uh, quite differently. Sometimes we see them valuing sustainability and, again, depending on the business, but we tend to organize them that way. The areas that we're really seeing accelerate, uh, particularly in the last 24 months, are really around the category of sustainability and wellness and well-being. A wonderful byproduct from the last 24 months of a much stronger focus on employee wellness and well-being as part of a broader definition of sustainability and sustainable practices, whether you're in the office or outside. And then the second is around employee experience and engagement and driving, driving a, a really positive experience for employees, making the workplace, uh, a really a place that you're proud to work. It's part of your brand as well as your employer's brand. And, and the next generation of talent are really paying attention to that. And I would also, as an extension of that, say fun. Like having a little bit of fun and having kind of a cool set of tools to use, you know, gamification, hackathons, like 
all of the enabling technologies that leverages that. And again, brings people together. I don't think we're ever gonna have meetings where 100% of the people are gonna be in the office at the same time. I think we're gonna continue forward with a hybrid and that creates more pressure on technologies to make sure we're also not creating have and have nots. And if you remember two years ago, if you had people that were on a teleconference, because we weren't quite as good as Teams and Zooms yet, and we are all experts now, but uh, you know, people that sat in different cities, they really struggled to be engaged or participate. And I think that as a hybrid work environment becomes more and more prevalent, we're going to have more pressure on technology to really level the play the the playing field of experience and engagement, so it doesn't become one of those. Um, hilarious skits that we saw in the past about teleconferences. Um, I hate to transition from fun to health and safety, but one of the key concerns that we're hearing is providing a safe and reliable on-ramp for employees post-COVID. Does digital innovation play a practical role in providing this, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. But I, I would just remind us that technology is an enabler, not the finish line. And so the surrounding processes and the communications are just as important as the enabling technologies. I would just encourage organizations, don't stop at the dashboard, that's not the finish line. Uh, technology is tools and, and they should be enabling some kind of outcome or experience or information. So don't forget about the, the people process as well as the tools. Are there tools and solutions that you feel would be particularly appropriate for companies to use in the current environment? And is there maybe a best practice approach that you've seen to implement them? Yeah, and, and we have a, an expression called practical innovation. So I can think of some longer term things, but I'm, I'm also just gonna give you a very pragmatic list of things, sort of the essentials package of what I think organizations need for the, the next short sprint. Uh, I think technologies around utilization are very, very useful. And that helps us with not only planning uh, janitorial services and right-sizing certain services and, and providing information in a transparent way to the occupants. I think it's also good for planning, uh, just to make sure that, you know, from a capacity perspective, the actual matches the plan or it doesn't exceed that, just to be able to, be able to support the environment. And then I think what we're going to see is a lot more form and fold or agile work settings. And those are going to have to evolve and flex based on the changing needs of the occupants. No more designing the same, you know, structure for 10 years and then doing a big burp of refreshes. I think the workplace with hackable furniture is going to have to flex and evolve. And that's a data driven approach to be able to do that. And then I think the other area is there are two more areas is you need some of the tools to do that. So reservation systems and some of the augmented capabilities that they have to change and support a COVID program and a return to work in a, in a phased in place is, is important as well as the data and analytics. So that assumes really strong uh, space planning and, space and occupancy uh, reporting uh, along with that. And then the, the last one is around employees. I think we are really underutilizing survey tools and survey is maybe too traditional of a term, but I think we need to somehow do a better job at 
understanding our employee needs, taking their pulse of what they will tell us makes them productive and trusting them to do it. So I look at some really great companies. Pre-COVID, one of the things I admired about Google, for example, is they, they had such a great process to survey their employees, understand what they are asking for, what enablers they need to be productive, and then they, they do the top items based on that prioritized, you know, almost a de democratic approach, informed democratic approach, but inspired by employee needs. And I really think we need to, instead of a top-down approach, there's such a disparity between the C-suite and the, the employees about what they want and perceptions about coming back to work. I think we need a much more grassroots approach of understanding what our employees want, trusting that they will ask for what will make them the most productive, and then holding them accountable to outcomes, not by butts and seats in the office. So just really changing that way that we incentivize and manage performance and enable the productivity of our employees by using technologies as well. Laurie, thanks again for your time. Um, before we finish out, can I ask if we could get a sneak peek at what you're planning to cover as part of your keynote speech in September? I think for that conference, I'm going to talk about, um, I, again, trying to keep it practical and relevant for what people are thinking about right now. I'm going to give a current pulse on the hybrid office, best practices, things that you need to be successful, lessons learned, and included in that will be some essential technologies. And then I'm going to talk, I'm going to push people out a little bit further, just so they're, they're taking a bit more of a three-year view, but meanwhile, they've got the essentials of what they need to be able to survive in the moment. Laurie, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for your time and take care. Thanks for listening. Join us at wdbe.org.